Hey, Alexa, what crap did John Hicks say this week on the radio? I'm sure I don't want to hear it, but I'm interested to find out. Helping you solve the retirement puzzle. Welcome to The Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Here with John Hicks this week, I'm Jennifer Perry. And remember, we'd love to tackle some of your questions here on the podcast. So if you have those questions for us, just drop us an email through our website. You can find us online at retirementsolutionradio.com. It is fall and a lot of people have an opportunity here in these next few months to do something about taxes because after all, Ben Franklin told us that really nothing in life is certain except death and taxes. Two things that we really do not want to think about, right? Uh, that's pretty true. There's a, there's a third one there. Uh, nothing is for certain except death, taxes, and change. change. Change is one of those other ones I yes. know. So sometimes uh, maybe we learn from that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should change our ways. But this is an interesting point. So taxes, taxes, taxes. We talk about this all the time on this show. People really kind of screw this up too. And that's the well, thing. All the time. Yeah. There was an article I saw. I can't remember where it came from. Probably Forbes or Fortune or one of those guys. Yeah. But I know that there was a thing talking about the huge mistakes that people absolutely make when it comes to retirement and their taxation. And I fully agreed with every single one of these. So Jennifer... Mm-hmm. We're going to part from our standard, whatever you call it, programming. And I'm going to talk about this article. This is a really good one because I say all these things, but I like how they made it concise. We've got a top six list. That's right. Top six. I don't even have one of those. I don't need like a snare drum in here. But there are six major tax mistakes that people make. And here's the very first one. Tax mistake number one, assuming that we're going to pay less taxes in retirement. And Jennifer, this is a big one. I see this all the time. Uh, When people ask, you know, John, should I put money in my tax deferred account or should I put it in my Roth account, my tax-free account? My question is, well, what tax bracket are you in now? If they tell me that they're in the 12 or 22% tax bracket, guess what, guys? Chances are they're not going to go down a tax bracket in retirement. Hmm. They're not, not going to do it not going to do it in the George (laughs) Herbert Walker Bush voice, not going to do it. So do not assume you're going to pay less money or less taxes in retirement. As a matter of fact, if you've saved well, and what do I mean by well, if you've saved over a million dollars and really the the, the real number is about 1.3 million, if you've saved $1.3 million or more on your tax deferred account, there is a very high percentage chance you will pay more in taxes in retirement than you actually are while you're working. Oh, now, there's okay. a whole bunch of things that factor into that, but there seems to be a number, it seems to be magically around 1.3 million. If you have not actually done the math on that, you need to do it, guys. You could save yourself some scrilla because we have a short period of time. The tax rate goes back to the old structure in 2025. So do not assume you're going to pay less money in taxes. Have that actually done for you or do it on your own and find out. Because if you find out you're going to be the same or less, then you probably want to take advantage of the current tax cut, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. See, John, I understand years. what you're saying. Yeah. See, Papa, I got it. <laughs> Good. All right. So tax mistake number two, not planning or trying to avoid taxes on social security. Most people Uh, don't even know that that's a thing, though, John. Well, it didn't used to be a thing. It didn't used to be a thing. In 1934, the the New Deal package created Social Security. That's a good thing. It wasn't taxable until 1987. 
Oh, fact check me on that. I think it was 1983. Okay. I think it was 1983. But sometime so during the that, Reagan years, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Reagan. That's how I remember this for sure. But Ronald Reagan wanted to fund Star Wars. He was nervous about what, yeah. what the USSR was doing, and he wanted to be able to basically see him. He wanted to find out, he wanted to read the date on a dime if it was in the middle on the street in front of the Kremlin. That was the whole point. Huh. They didn't have any money for it. So in order for him to get the funding for what we now call Star Wars, he had to go across the aisle to Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was, of course, in charge of the, uh, the House for Congress, and he was a Democrat. And what they found out was they didn't have enough money, but if they started taxing 50% of Social Security, they could raise the money to fund Star Wars. Ooh, because Reagan's whole point was, no, I ran on this whole idea of cutting taxes. So I'm not going to increase tax rates, but they did start taxing Social Security. Hmm. So that started in the 1980s. And then in 1990s, Big Bill Clinton came up there and said, listen, I want to secure my footprint (laughs) in this country. I want to have a balanced budget. I want to have everything looking really good, including the interns. <laughs> and he did a lot of those things. Yes, but he said, he I, need, <laughs> I need some extra money to balance this budget. So in 1997, believe it or not, they actually uh, increased taxes on Social Security. No more 50%, now up to 85% of Social Security was taxable, see? So really, if you think about it, the Reagan era started taxes on Social Security. The Clinton administration increased potential taxes on Social Security. And so what now is the track record for them to potentially tax all of it? Well, there's a pretty good track record to say that could happen if we need more money, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So the whole thing is that so many of us in almost every one of those lame brain, internet-based retirement computers out there, they do not know how to correctly associate taxes on Social Security. And it's giving people false information, guys. This is a huge mistake because if you're a couple and you make $40,000 in retirement from Social Security, chances are you're not paying attention to $7,200 a year of Social Security taxation. Mm, And by the way, it will be taxed in that situation. So you have to understand how it's going to be taxed because people will potentially go broke because they think they have more money than they do because they're not paying attention to that taxation. So you have to plan for that Social Security taxation. Number two, you can actually avoid complete all taxes on Social Security if you want to. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. I want to. <laughs> Woo. Woo on there, partner. What'd you just say? Yeah. What I basically said was if you do not have a pension, if you do not have a pension, it's, there's a great chance that for you, social security taxation is completely optional. If you do what we talk about on this show all the time and choose to shift your assets, asset shifting from tax deferred accounts into tax free accounts, there's a great chance that you will pay zero taxes on your social security. That's kind of a big deal because over the course of retirement, that could save you anywhere between 100000 to 225000 I've seen as much as $240,000 over the course of retirement. Wow. If you understand you have that choice, you don't have to do it, but you have that choice. So that was retirement mistake number two. So those first two guys are big ones. Think about how much any of us would screw it up if we weren't paying attention to this, right? Right. What about number three? Often we forget about having those Roth IRAs where we can potentially shuffle the assets to while we have a choice, while tax rates are low. So that's mistake number three. People aren't looking at asset shifting. I talk about it every week. We should be thinking about this. This is a big deal. Again, if we can save 
1% to 2 to 3% a year in taxation by doing smart things, we don't have to stress our portfolios so much over time. Good Big point. deal. Yeah. So let's talk about that Roth for a minute because I talk to people all the time and say, you know what, John? My guy didn't ever tell me about a Roth. Why? Why yeah, does he not question. tell you? Mm-hmm. It is avoiding all future taxation beneath him? <laughs> it's like, oh, you, you don't want to get rid of taxes forever on the growth of this money, do you? I mean, who would want to do that? That sounds That's ridiculous. Silly. Hold on, hold on. You mean you want to put like $1,000 in a Facebook stock and then it goes to like $100 million? You, you really want to pay taxes on that? You wouldn't rather just pay taxes on the, on the 1000 bucks you put into it? I mean, come on. But that's exactly what they're saying. So the whole point is, if you were not able to put money into a Roth in the past because you made too much money, guess what? You can still actually convert money into a Roth. <gasps> what? Ooh. That's right. Even if the government says you make too much money, you're not allowed to contribute to a Roth. Believe it or not, if you have money in tax-deferred accounts, you can still convert those tax-deferred dollars into a Roth regardless of your age. Now, Jennifer, this is a big one. You don't have to be 59 and a half. Oh, okay. You don't have to be 62. You don't have to be 71. You don't have to be anything. If you have money in a tax-deferred account, the government will allow you to convert those tax-deferred dollars into a Roth pay the current tax rate, which might be the lowest guys you're ever going to pay. True. And in the future, you'll never pay taxes again on the growth of that account. Sweet. Now, that's assuming that all these lame brains that are in office don't change all the rules on us. But yeah. at least why it's structured right now, mm-hmm. the way it is, this could maybe be one of the greatest opportunities that every one of us has to lock in the lowest tax rate we will ever be in. Here's a peek inside the brain of John Hicks. This is the Micro Machine Man presenting the most midget miniature motorcade of Micro Machines. Remember, if it doesn't say Micro Machines, it's not the real thing. Try to keep up. You're listening to The Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Actually, you're kind of geeking out on taxes with me. This is actually a topic that you get really excited about in your real life. This is not just for the show, John. It's kind of a big deal. I don't, I don't know why uh, more advisors aren't talking correctly about it. Uh, but they're not. And maybe it's because they're not allowed to. I mean, that's kind of probably one of the issues, you know, that I probably see more than anything. You know, if you look at that disclaimer on, uh, it seems like every brokerage firms, whatever, we do not give tax or legal advice. You must consult your tax person, legal person, this person, that person must consult the person behind that person <laughs> to ensure that person knows what that person may be talking about. If that person is not aware of what that person says, then you could be liable and we're not going to be liable because we don't know that person or whatever they say. That's about it, yeah. But but the point is, is the question is that if we're talking about how do we create our retirement solution, how do we create our retirement plan that works for us? And typically what we're given is just some cookie cutter approach to investing in junk. I mean, it's fine if that junk works, right? I'm not not saying it's bad, but how come we don't know uh, how to save money in taxes? And and this is a big thing that that I think that I talk about all the time. And and Jennifer, you know that I talk nationally with all kinds of advisors. And one of the big things, and I mean, I'm talking some big hitters out there, guys, some some of the really what I would consider some of the really great advisors out there, they don't even talk about taxes with their clients. Right. They're afraid to. They're, They're not comfortable doing it because they don't know what to say. That doesn't make them bad people. It just means that you're probably going to have to double pay, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pay your financial person to do their financial stuff. And then you're probably going to have to pay another person to do the tax stuff. Chances are are they talking to to each other? You know, well, here's the real problem, guys, is that, you know, if, if your guys aren't talking, they don't know each other. They have no idea what they're doing. How, how would you like to find out, you know, 10 years into retirement that your tax guy and your finance guy 
one of them was wrong. <laughs> and, and your plan is not going to be the most efficient it could be. Now, how, would that tick you off? Yeah, well, sure if I'm losing some money, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the whole point is, in my opinion, in, in my little frame of reference here, I believe that they go hand in hand. I think that if you make money in something, don't you want to hold on to as much of it as possible? Sure. Yes, <laughs> yes. Seems like a simple idea. It's an emphatic yes. And yet, that's not how the industry works. So I was reading a a book the other day. I think it was Tony Robbins. It was either Money, Master of the Game, or it was Unshakable. Can't Mm -hmm. remember which one, Jennifer. Both good books, though. They're both both good. And, And because there was one point that he made about taxation, and I wanted to go back and revisit that. And one of his points was, who cares about before tax returns if you're going to have to pay taxes? All you should care about is how much money actually goes into your physical pocket. Yeah. Right? So he said, when anyone says, oh, yeah, those those returns are before taxes, say, right, congratulations, but I want to see the after-tax returns. And I think that was the whole point. It, it, most of us don't know that. What are our returns net of tax? And that's a big deal. That's why we spend so much time on the show talking about taxation. Imagine if you have two portfolios and they both do very, very well. They both end up getting a 7% rate of return. That's a pretty good rate of return. They both get 7%. One of them, you're going to have to pay about the equivalent of 1.5% in tax on. So you, how much are you going to end up with in the end there, right? Five and a half percent. Yeah. On the other, that 7% return that you have, you only have to pay a quarter of a percent in taxes because of other things you did. You're going to get 6.75%. Sounds like a better deal. It's a tremendous difference. Now, did you earn any more money on either of those investments? No. No. Exact same return. See how big of a difference it can make if you just understand how does your uh, current portfolio work? What are the taxation impacts that it's going to potentially have on you? And can you save yourself one or one and a quarter or two or even 3% a year throughout the course of retirement? Guys, it's a ton of money. That's a big deal. Well, actually, John, you just did a great job of summing up tax mistake number four on our list today. And that's ignoring taxes altogether. It's just as important as that return, just as important as reducing your fees. Again, it's more money in your pocket. So next is really no strategy to minimize taxes. And we're not just talking about those of you saving for retirement. We're talking about those of you who hope to leave something too for your kids and for your grandkids along the way. So Jennifer, this is really one of those bigger pieces of the puzzle where even if you feel, you know, I think I'm going to be okay with my retirement. I want to give money to the next generation. I want to make it the most tax efficient I can be. Or part two, you didn't think that at all because you didn't pay attention at all. That means you have no strategy to minimize the taxes of the money, guys, that you've already saved. You have already saved the money. See, isn't that the whole point? Why would you want to give more of it away to Uncle Sam? If you study the greatest, uh, I guess, the old school robber barons, right? Mm -hmm. So like the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, J.P. Morgan. If you look at this group of people and how they did things, yes, they made a lot of money. The more impressive thing they did, though, was how they gave it to the next generations with the most tax efficiency. That's how they maintained, well, whatever they were at the time, millions of dollars that became billions or maybe even tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars today. It is a tremendous amount of money that we can potentially save. So here's a strategy that many of us can use if we want to maximize what we have saved and not let it go to Uncle Sam. Okay. Because, and here's the reason why. 
Jennifer, uh, in the last election, I remember Hillary had come out and she said, I know how we can potentially save all this debt from the country. And what was now, her idea? Thing. When I heard when I heard this, I was like, okay, well, maybe she's got an idea. A solution, yeah. Yeah, I was okay. like, I'm all about hearing ideas. I, I do not discriminate on which side of the, of the fence it's from as long as it's a good idea. Uh, but what she said was, let's put a 67% tax on all the money left in tax-deferred accounts if the husband and their uh, beneficiary has passed away. So, if it, so here, and here was the whole point. So think about that. You, you've done a great job saving. Let's say you saved a million bucks and you, you pass away and your IRA goes then to your wife or your spouse and they have the million dollars and they pass away. Still got a million dollars in it, okay? Mm-hmm. This idea would say, oh, well, those two people, because this was retirement money, right? Right. Well, those two people have already expired in retirement, so they don't need this money anymore. So we may as well have an asterisk tax rate of, let's just say, 67%. And so the government (laughs) will get, the federal government will get 67% of that million bucks, or in this example, $670,000 before the rest goes to the heirs. Now, guys, when I heard this, I'm like, that'll never fly. That'll never fly. And I called one of my mentors in New York City, and I said, hey, you think that this can happen? And he said, are you kidding me? Of course it can. I'm like, huh. well, what? Well, what do, what do you mean? He goes, well, think about it, John. How does a pension work? Right. If you have a pension, and let's say you're married and you have a spouse and you selected the spousal benefit for the pension, if you pass away, they continue with a portion of your pension benefit, right? Right, they still get a yeah. check. Mm-hmm. But what happens when they're gone? Is it, there any money poof, that goes on after that? No. Poof, gone. Yeah. That's exactly what this would be like. So that was part number one, he said. He said, oh, yeah, they can totally do it. Part number two what he said was, is that no one forced us to put it in the tax-deferred bucket to begin with. Huh. Oh, uh, we did that on us. our own choice. Either our CPA told us to do it, or we thought that we were going to be in a lower tax bracket. All the other stuff that we've already disproven. They said, oh, because of that, it'll be easy. They can be able to pass this in a heartbeat. And here's number three, which is why it came from the Democrat side, because it'll be considered a tax on the rich. Because the majority of Americans do not have a ton of money saved for their retirement. And so this was a very easy way to say, oh, yeah, well, all these people have all these millions of dollars. Let's just go ahead and hit the tax on them. Hmm. Not realizing that that they were going to sell it as a tax on the rich. But guess who they would consider rich? Anyone with a retirement account, basically. Anyone with a retirement account. And see, guys, and so that's the problem. So what can we potentially do? There are ways that you can actually pull out an appropriate amount of money to pay the lowest taxes ever and turn that into a legacy plan for your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, and you won't have to pay any generational skipping taxes. Ooh, it basically functions a lot like a trust plan Hmm. where you can really give the most money possible to the next generation, potentially completely tax-free. If you understand. So not only are you going to pay the lowest tax rate ever by pulling the money out, you can actually give it to the next generation or generations down the road with zero taxes due at all. And there's three or four ways you can build that strategy and they're all good, but they all depend on, does that make sense for you? Should you do that? It's a big deal. And even if you want to spend all your money for yourself, John, every single penny, you have no interest in leaving a legacy to future generations. That leads us to tax mistake number six on our list today. And that is taking your withdrawals from your retirement accounts in the wrong order. Why is that so important? Well, you know, we've actually seen some statistics on this recently that show that depending on the order that you withdraw your money, um, it can maybe make the money last for an extra eight to 12 years longer. 
Wow. That's a big deal. Eight Mm -hmm. to 12 years or doing it the other way. If you pull your money from the wrong accounts first, you may run out of money between eight and 12 years earlier. Mm -hmm. See, so that's a big deal. So if you have money in taxable accounts, tax deferred accounts, and then tax free accounts, the order that you pull them out makes a tremendous difference on how long the money will last. And so a lot of us are not even aware of that. Uh, Most of the advisors out there that I run into, they don't even consider this. Mm -hmm. They're working on, you know, getting you in good quality mutual funds and things like that. They're not looking at distribution economics, which means how are we going to be impacted when we decide to pull that money out, when we distribute it to ourselves? And guys, that's what keeps us retired, right? Right. I mean, when you think about it, anyone can retire tomorrow if they wanted to. I mean, a 12-year-old could retire. The question is, can they stay retired? And that's what that difference is. So in order to stay retired, we need to maximize those dollars we've saved so it'll last longer. And people aren't doing that and they need to. Connect with us at RetirementSolutionRadio.com. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if John Hicks is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through John Hicks, Kentucky Insurance License Number 998827.